Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time. It's time. Time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Welcome to the Love Star Podcast. I'm Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105 Fan in Dallas. Joined as always by former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G Bag Nation, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday. He is also the uh, pre- and post-game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network. And as always, uh, we're produced by Peyton Russell, who also works with us at 105.3. Peyton, why don't you just pop in here real quick and wave hi and stop being shy. Just wave hi to the people. They want to see you. What's up, guys? There he is. There's Peyton. All right. We didn't say you could talk. We just said you could be seen. Uh, Seen but not heard. Yep. You're like a kicker, uh, unless it's Brandon Aubrey. Uh, Brian, the Dallas kid. That's Peyton. Peyton does a great job. We're trolling him. We do it because we love him. Uh, Brian, the Cowboys get their their biggest victory of the year, I would say, uh, over the Philadelphia Eagles, 33 to 13. The only one that I will, before we dive into the specifics of this game, um, the only reason why I say maybe their biggest game, Brian, is this a bigger victory psychologically, whatever else, than when they had to bounce back and go on the road and beat the Chargers after the 49ers game? Do you think that's a bigger psychological victory this week, or is the Chargers still probably a more impressive victory for their psyche? I think the, the the victory against the Eagles was the one that's done them the most good. You know, they, they needed to put that behind them of what happened in Philadelphia. And I, I, I just, from a standpoint of what it meant, a home game, a chance to be leading the division at this point, I, I think this one was the one that I would, the, the Chargers win was, I thought, a nice one at the time. But last night... I really uh, enjoyed watching them play. I enjoyed watching the tape this morning. I, I was I was so curious of how they were going to handle uh, dealing with Hassan Reddick and some others, uh, how they were going to play in the secondary against these wide receivers, how were they going to pressure uh, Jalen Hurts in this game? You know, uh, I, th- th- this this one to me had all the makings of everything that I was as a 
you know, watching the team play that I was hopeful for them that they, I'm honestly happy for the Cowboy fans because I see, and that's the one thing that, that Twitter X does for you, that you see the everyday fight between these two fan bases. Yep. And, you know, and and I'll tell you this, if any Philadelphia Eagle fans are listening to our broadcast right now, or just check it out, I want to thank you for coming through the broadcast position yesterday when we were at the Miller Lite Plaza and coming by and just basically getting in our face and yelling and making it. It was a great atmosphere. There were plenty of Eagles fans out there. There were a lot of Eagle fans, a lot of Kelly Green, but, and I, and I, you know, I've worked on both sides of this. I'm the guy from Dallas that worked for Philly and and I'm the guy, you know, I've, I've been both sides of this. And it, it is an intense rivalry. It really, really is. Uh, what's on the line is intense. The fan base make it even more intense. And so um, I think it, I think it for the Cowboys' perspective, I don't think you could have drawn it up any better for Cowboy fans and for the Cowboy team in the way that they, they got out of that one last night. Yeah, and look, this is my big takeaway from this one, Brian, and and we can jump into some of the You're specifics about to say of what we saw. Popular here? No, 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 no. I I think that it may sound negative, but I think it's actually a real positive for this football team right now. What I'm about to say, I don't know that Dallas. Play, I, I don't think Dallas played particularly strong across the board. Philadelphia was able to move the ball somewhat efficiently against you. Um, they come up with big plays, big turnovers. They deserve credit for that. But Philadelphia was able to move the ball pretty efficiently. I thought the quarterback wasn't as sharp as he's been in recent weeks. I, I think, you know, there was he hit his stride a little bit, uh, you know, more in the second quarter. But there were some throws early and late where he was late or he was a little bit high. Um, we had the CD Lamb drop. There were times that the the offensive line, I think, you know, had, had their issues. But overall, that's the thing that I think is impressive or the thing that you can take away from this is, they did not put their best game out there, in my opinion, on either side of the ball. I think they were better defensively because at the end of the day, you can't say, look, they they just took one of the top five offenses in the NFL and held them to six points. You can't complain about that too much. But I think my big takeaway coming out of this is they didn't play their best football and they still beat one of the top contenders in the NFC by 20 points. And that's something where realistically, if not for maybe a little being flippant with the ball, Dak, and and trying to roll out and make something happen, they probably beat him by closer to 30. Um, and so I think that that's the impressive thing is that I think if if they give them their A game across the board yesterday, Dallas beats Philadelphia in this game by 40, potentially. I mean, they they just were in complete control of this game, even without playing their best game, in my opinion. You know, um, I understand what you're saying. Um, I know sitting down and watching – the all 22 the thing i came from it was i was super impressed with the way that dak was able to read decipher things that philadelphia was trying to do to him defensively mm-hmm. you know i think he i think this you know with dak there's there's things that you 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 look at and you're just saying guy he's just so natural throwing to his left Guy's got really good touch. Guy's, you know, boy, he's you know, that's a that's a gritty play right there. Boy, we scramble for yards. Boy, what a tough play that was. I I thought that was one of those games last night where Dak really thought the game through. You know, and mm-hmm. I mean, and I mean it in a way, Bobby, of he read what Philadelphia was trying to do to him coverage wise. When sure, you know, when 
when they try and take an edge and drop that edge into coverage, you know, with and, and then he finds Ferguson. Ferguson's playing in line next to Ty, uh, Tyron Smith, and he's reading that Nolan Smith is going to be in coverage on his guy because he sees what's happening in the secondary. Which is he's, not normally what they ask Nolan Smith to do. No, there. and that's what I'm saying. He he knows that he's like, okay, well, who's going to cover my guy here? And it looks, well, it looks like this is going to be Nolan Smith. And then all of a sudden Nolan Smith drops, and here's an arc release from, <laughs> from the tight end. And Ferguson's now up the seam, and you're going, and Dak just immediately gets him the ball. You know, and it's a huge yeah. play. And, you know, there were – there were things that in this game where it just he he really anticipated what was going to happen to him or what potentially can happen and if Dak wins the MVP and I said this on a couple of platforms today mm-hmm. I said it on the break so if you listen to the break thank you very much on DallasCowboys.com if you listen to our show on 105.3 The Fan to G-Bag Nation I appreciate you as well Krusty's Corner 240 uh I got to get got to get that branding in there. Got to get that branding in there because, <laughs> like, I don't need enough things to do, and I do appreciate everybody out there that does listen. But the thing about it is, though, the 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 just the anticipation that he was able to play with in, in this football game, and if he if he wins the MVP award, the play they need to show is the pass that he threw to Ferguson. How somehow in the blitz of Kevin Byard's face, I mean, just free rusher coming right at him. Somehow he gets the ball over Bayard and gets the ball inside to Ferguson, who's getting mugged by Sidney Brown. I mean, he mm-hmm. puts the ball, and all of a sudden you put your hands up, and you're just looking at it and you go, man, what an anticipation of a throw. Here you are facing the blitz right down the gut, and you stand there and make a confident throw that, that could have just got knocked in the air, could have been tipped, could have been one of those uh, 2022 Dak Prescott interception plays. Yeah. You know, but it turned into like a 37 yard gain. You know, it just, it, it was that, I felt like it was that kind of game for Dak. And yeah, maybe the he was amped up. I, I trust me, I lived with a quarterback in Green Bay that played the first three series of the game with Brett Favre, always amped up. Mike oh, Brett Favre. I thought, I thought yeah. you were going to say Don Magikowski. <laughs> the Magic Man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one, one game with the – two games with the Magic Man. And, but, the, uh, but, yeah, it was – and Mike Holmgren would call plays, call Mark Chimura 50X spot, which was just a little curl route, little hook route. Yep. And, he, and he'd throw that ball, and then it would get – you know, Brett would settle down. Other than that, he'd throw the rocket ball that would go seven feet over everybody's head, and he was all you know so amped up. And I, and in the pregame, I told Eric Chiafalo that I was worried that maybe that Dak just needed to settle into the game, settle into the game, you know, and don't don't let the emotions of the the atmosphere and the opponent affect the way that he's playing. And I felt like yeah. maybe early in the game there was a little of that, but man, that throw he made to to CeeDee Lamb on the touchdown for him to roll to his left, basically do his jump man type of splay, throw the ball, you know, on the run left, going to the left and put it right on Lamb for a walk-in. You know, that's, man, that's that's playing at a high level right now. Oh, so yeah, no. And, I, and, and, not, and I, I get what you're saying because 
the the thing I'm learning and and soon to be sixty years old tomorrow on Tuesday. Happy early birthday. Well, it'll be happy birthday by the time this yeah, uh, this airs. Get this. Thank you. I appreciate that. But I've learned all these years that man, these quarterbacks, everybody's got a different opinion of what they think they're the level they're playing at. I mean, you've been all on Dak all along about the level sure. he's played at. I give you cons- I give you a lot of credit because the consistency that you've shown with Dak, it mirrors the consistency that Dak's been playing with. You know, you mean you've been consistent about well, this is what he does, this is what he does, and it's it's actually proving correct. I know people give you a lot of S about it, you know, like, oh, you're Homer, this, that, and the other. But, you know, you've been right about him. But this quarterback, man, you talk about just the the ebb and flows of things you have to deal with, but he's playing at a super high level. And I think yesterday was one of those games where it was, it was thinking man Dak that found a way to make some plays, maybe when he wasn't at his best. Maybe he was Mike Maddox. Uh, or excuse me, Greg Maddox, Mike Maddox, pitching coach for the Rangers. Maybe it was Greg Maddox when you don't have your best stuff, but you're finding a way to kind of, you know, use what you have to to get the win. Yeah, I think that he, like, like you talking about the reads and the decisions he made, I think that was all correct. Like, I think yeah. that what you saw yesterday, he was still playing at a high level in terms of, you know, pre and post-snap diagnosis and everything that else that he was doing. I think that that was there. I guess more my thing where I don't think it was, I just don't think it was as sharp throwing the football in this one. And now look, yeah, he, 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 he made wrong. some big plays. He had the, the Ferguson one, like you talk about the Gallup throw was really impressive. Yeah. The one that lamb probably should have finished down the sideline. Yeah. that was. I mean, you have all those, there, but then there's also, okay. He sailed one a little bit to Ferguson. He kind of yeah. sailed one a little bit to Gallup. Um, there was the, I can't remember who he was trying to, he was trying to hit lamb and Morrow. Yeah, it Moro. Like Lamb, yeah, it looked like Lamb. There was one where Lamb looked like he was a soccer goalie and kind of tried to kick his leg out. To you know, I mean the ball. Yeah, would, and so, and so yeah. I, I think I think mechanically or just his actually just throwing the football yesterday, yeah. he just wasn't as sharp. No, but it, as, no. as he's been in recent weeks, but that, that's a, a little nitpicky thing. I think overall he played a a good game. Um, I, I just don't know that it's been execution wise to the level I, I think everything in terms of what he was seeing and what he was reading was on point yesterday his biggest his biggest mistake in my opinion was he lacked pocket awareness on the sack fumble and because yeah that felt like that shouldn't have happened that when you watch it Zach Martin was Zach Martin wasn't in great position but Zach Martin all Zach Martin could do was push Fletcher, Fletcher Cox to his left. He that's mm. all he could do. He really was in bad shape. He just tried to push him and hope that maybe Dak would go behind him, you know, would go behind and step to his right. Because on the play, Dak even mentioned it in the post game. He he's like, I gave up six, could have had six. And he's absolutely right because Lamb, excuse me, uh Cooks is runs a route and he he wins. And they got Tolbert and Lamb are running inside, and now four guys, four Eagles are running with them, running with two guys. So you got one-on-one on the outside with Cooks, and all Prescott has to do is get the ball out there, and it's a touchdown. But he kind of drifts in the pocket. He drifts, he drifts, and then he drifts into a sack. And as he's trying to load up the throw, that's when Fletcher Cox knocks the ball out of his hands. Yep. You know, as he's loading up. And, it, you know, I mean, him moving to his left and throwing all the way back to the right – I've only seen one guy do that really, really well for a long distance, and that was Favre in the Detroit playoff game one time that we won at the Super, uh, the Silverdome. 
but it 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 would have you know it just that was the one time I thought ah Dak just really not great pocket awareness on that particular play. He really didn't help. He didn't help uh, Martin out at all. But you know that that's going to happen in games. Yeah, look, I mean, uh, the fact that, again, we're talking about, ah, it didn't look quite as good as it has in recent weeks, and yet we're sure. still talking about 271 yards and two touchdowns I, and no interceptions. That just speaks to the level that he's been I, playing at. Know, he's having these multiple games now, seven games in with two-plus two plus, uh, touchdowns, and we're not mm-hmm. talking about turning over. The, the, the fumble was unfortunate. That, that really was an unfortunate play, in, in my opinion. That, 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 just, that gave Philadelphia hope, and then you had to kind of – Okay, let's ratchet this thing back together here and and figure out a way to to close this game out. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast, the Love of the Stars and Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time: baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseballs and boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. All right, Brian, so we, we take a look, you know, uh, pretty heavily there at the quarterback himself. Yeah. Th- there were a lot of other things to take away from this football game. Stephon Gilmore, I thought, had a really impressive game in this one, uh, and he told reporters afterwards that A.J. Brown called him old on, on, in the first quarter, and he was like, mm-hmm. you know, all right, well, I'm locked in here. I'm ready to play now, and so that kind of triggered him a little bit. He was playing with a lot more emotion than I'm used to seeing him play with out there. He was, he was very intense, um, but again, you had another good performance from Jake Ferguson, I, I thought Tyler Smith, even though the offensive line struggled, I thought Tyler Smith did some really nice things in pass yeah. protection in this game. Um, and, and in general, the offensive line, while it wasn't consistent, there were times where it was really good and it came together in, in, in really good spots. I thought Pollard had a solid game overall. But the big thing here, and this is something that you have talked about consistently this season, is what you've gotten out of the safeties, which hasn't always been the best. Yes. But the safety group came to yes. play in this game. They sure did. They sure did. And I think you always have to be fair about this because I have, as you mentioned, Bobby, various platforms. I've been critical of what's happened at the safety play. I've been very critical of Malik Hooker. I've uh, been critical of of Curse and Wilson. And I felt like that yesterday, uh, even going into the game, the various platforms I always say, I felt like that they needed to have a really good game at safety. All of them. They needed – if Dallas was going to win – and Dallas was going to be able to control the Philadelphia passing game, they were going to have to be good at safety. They were going to have to be able to help. They were going to have to be able to rally. They were going to have to be able to tackle. I mean, throw in there now the ability to create turnovers, uh, punching the ball loose, the tackling, the strip the ball. You know, those are all things you needed in that football game. And they got it. And and congratulations to those guys uh, for playing at a very, very high level. Uh, The fact that Gilmore was able to travel – Bland was comfortable wherever he had to play in that game. They didn't target him. They went after uh, Gilmore. They felt like that they could carry Gilmore on some routes and he was going to have some problems. They felt like they could take him down the field and they felt like he could. Uh, he was going to have some problems. He really, really did. Now, Brown played a good game. Brown made some plays. But it wasn't like that Brown killed them in this game. You know I mean? It, they were able to win any time that the, that the Eagles had made a big play, whether it was the the run – by Hertz, knocked the ball out, fumbled, turnover. 
The pass to the pass inside the slant to Brown. Get the ball out there. Then the, the play to Smith, you know, later in the game where he breaks two tackles and then ball's knocked out by uh by Bell. You know, that's you know, that's what you gotta have. If you're going to give up plays, if you're going to give up plays, you gotta find a way to get the ball back, knock the ball loose, do something. And yeah. And Dallas did a really, really nice job of that. Uh I I'm you know, I, I tip my hat to them. Uh, the secondary, the way they played overall, uh, that's a tough matchup, especially after what they dealt with the previous outing against Seattle. You know, it is uh, covering Smith and Brown and having to deal with that tight end. I mean, that's a that's a that's a that's an all day that's an all day job. That's an all day job, and the Cowboys were able to in the the fifty some odd plays that they ran. They did a really nice job of of playing on that back end. When you look at, you know, there was a lot of talk about, uh, you know, Shaq Leonard and, you know, Dallas's potential interest in him. He ultimately chooses the Eagles, as we know, and he was in uniform last night playing. Uh, but it was on display for you, I think, the difference in the the quality of the linebackers, which the Cowboys have had their issues at linebacker this year, and, and they've been a little bit thin there. But, man, I thought that this performance in primetime stepping up uh, against a, a team like the Eagles. I thought that Marquise Bell played a really good yeah. game, and I thought that Damone Clark played a Absolutely. pretty solid game. Yeah, sure did. They needed, they needed once again, they needed both of those guys. And, you know, and it had to be a little bit of a tough week or a, t- a couple of last couple of weeks, tough weeks for these linebackers. Uh, I know, Bobby, you go into the locker room and, and visit with the players after the game. I, I guarantee you that Bell and Clark – knew that the Cowboys were pursuing Shaq Leonard, you know, mm-hmm. and, and at, that's, that is the business side of sports. That is the, Hey, I've got to put my head down and I got to go do my job. And you know what? Uh, if they keep playing me out here, I got to, I got to keep going. And I think that's what the two linebackers did for the Cowboys yesterday. They, they went out there, they kept their, they put their head down and, and played at a really, really high level I thought it was one of the better games that Clark has had, you know, with how active he was, the tackles that he was able to make, the way he was able to play in positioning. I mean, it was, it was really a, a really a nice day uh, for for those uh, for those linebackers. You know, we were talking about this a little bit before the show, and what stands out to me again, I, I thought that Dallas played, you know, well. Um, it, it wasn't always consistent. You know, you, you'd like to see the offense put the ball in the end zone in the second half. They, they obviously had their struggles with that, but one of the big takeaways I had from this game right now is that I I think we have reached a definite point of saying Dallas is above Philadelphia. Dallas is a better football team right now than Philadelphia, because what we've seen on tape and in this game is for eight quarters, they've probably won six of them, seven of the quarters. Yeah. If they played eight quarters, Dallas has probably won six or seven of those eight quarters. Yeah. And when you, you watch this Philly team, when you watch them on tape, and I think what was on display again last night, Brian, is that this Philadelphia defense is just not good. They, They have a bad defense right now. Yeah, I, I think, Bobby, the problem, the biggest problem that Philadelphia has is, you know, you can't have some success running the football on them. Dallas popped mm-hmm. some runs. Dallas had the unfortunate, some penalties that were called, the the clipping penalty. There were some penalties that were just, you know, holding. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, they, hey, John Hussey, the crew, I'm not going to, I mean, it really happened both ways. I mean, both teams could have a, 
a legitimate gripe and you know that's where i think dallas in fact I, I think dallas may have benefited a little bit more I, I from think some so of the, the, and, the and, calls and going to the game we even talked about that john hussey's crew has called more penalties on the road team than they did the home team you mm-hmm. know so it played really into maybe a little bit in dallas it advantage that way but um the one thing that i learned last night watching that game and then watching it this morning is that if you can control philly's pass rush you can certainly move the ball on them. You oh, yeah. Can certainly move the ball on them. You know, and, and I'll tell you what, I give this coaching staff, Mike McCarthy, and the coaching staff on the offensive side of the ball a lot of credit for this reason. They knew that, that, that Terrence Steele had problems the first time this game was played in Philadelphia. They yeah. knew that Hassan Reddick, Brandon Graham, Sweat, those guys against him, they were causing problems in that game for him. And in this game, they didn't just completely leave him out there by himself. They said, listen, we're going to chip, which they were able to do with Pollard. And by the way, the sack, I need to ask, Bobby, if you know somebody that might know this, it might help me. Mm -hmm. Um, I can ask somebody, but if you would. The sack that Steele gave up where he just got run by by Reddick. Pollard is on the outside. It's kind of set there. And the way that the way that Steele set in his pass set and just with a right-hand punch, I wonder if Pollard was supposed to help him. Because the next play, Pollard did help him, and they hit Lamb on a 10-yard pass. Yeah. But the, I, I just wonder if this was one of those times where Steele was expecting Pollard to help, so he really didn't set really with any width. You know, he just kind of set off the line and then checked with his hand, thinking that Pollard was going to be next to him and they were going to be able to secure Reddick. But Reddick just took a straight run, actually went low on Dak. God, that's a scary moment right that there. That was terrifying. Very, very scary moment there. But I wonder if Steele was expecting Pollard to give him some help there, and he didn't. Somebody, somebody will know, and maybe yeah. I need to ask to figure that out. But anyway, but other than that, it was, it was Chip. With it was uh, it was it was help with Pollard, chip with Ferguson, who did mm-hmm. a great job of. I mean, just you know, every time he went out, just two hand shove, two hand shove, two hand shove. You know, he helped every time he could help. He helped. He took a shot at Reddick every time he could do it. And then they also did it with what we talked about last week: the width, putting a tight into that side and making Reddick have to rush a little bit wider. So again, tip of the cap to Mike McCarthy. Uh, to the uh, you know to the offensive line coach, uh, you know, in the scheme itself for what they were able to do, Mike Solari, those guys, whatever they, they were able to do, to not allow Hassan Reddick to take this game over, because by blocking that front, they were able to make some plays. And and you you mentioned it, maybe it wasn't Dak wasn't perfect, but man, they still made a lot of big plays. Yeah, and and I think that that's ultimately you know what you walk away from it saying, regardless of any warts or anything else, you just say that at the end of the day they got the job done, and that's an important thing. I, I was interested in one thing, Brian, and I don't know if you felt this way at all. Did you get the sense that it was a real coaching point from the Cowboys on defense this week? Because I felt like it was definitely on display more than it was in the game in Philadelphia. It felt like on defense there was an emphasis on if Jalen Hurts is going to act like a runner, you guys are going to treat him like a runner and make him like, like make him feel it. If he's going to, you know, get outside the pocket. Cause it felt like they were, 
they were hitting hard they and, and not, not nothing bit, cheap. No, I don't, I wouldn't say head hunting. I say nothing head hunting in a way yes. of like, if he's going to run, we're going to hit him. Yeah. Nothing cheap, but yeah, like, like yeah. if he wants to feel the game, make sure he feels the game. Like, like, let's, let's make sure that, that, you know, all legal stuff, but just like, Hey, let's, let's hit him with some force. Let's, let's make him think twice about wanting to run on us a little bit. And that felt like a real point of emphasis and guys looked like they were saying, all right, if I'm going to make a tackle here, I'm going to make sure this is a physical tackle. I'm not going to, you know, be back on my heels a little bit and worried about his speed or his cutback ability. I'm going to make sure that we, we make sure that we bring him to the ground and we bring him to the ground physically. Yeah, there's a little, little Al Davis there. You almost gave it the uh, hit the quarterback <laughs> and hit him hard. He must go to the ground. We will be superior. We are the Raiders. Exactly. Uh, but, yeah, but uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I kind of feel like the. I, I like what you were saying there. I think the Cowboys on defense tried to make it a physical game to begin with. You know, I think they really wanted to make sure. You know, some of the hits. The the I know that they had the drop in the middle of the field with. Uh, Smith, it was a big collision in the middle of the field. You know, there was an incomplete pass. Um, you know, they, they got after they got after the the Eagles pretty well. But if if Hertz was going to run, you're you're right. They they were going to go after him. You know, and but man, they had a couple of really nice designs. You know, to move a linebacker with motion and then all of a sudden run that quarterback draw the way that they yeah. were. So, you know, it, you know, they 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 hit on a couple of plays, but. Uh, I, I felt like just overall, though, Dallas's defense was they, – they were up to the task in that game. They really, really would. I think their offense really helped them, though, in this way. Offense for holding the ball. I mean, Philadelphia had, has had to deal with a lot of defensive snaps. You know, when you look at the Buffalo game, you look at the San Francisco game, yeah. and then what does Dallas do in the first half? I mean, they just – they punished them with those drives. You know, 10-play, 13-play drives that – I think that also took a lot out of the Eagles as well defensively. Now, the other aspect of this that I think is interesting, we can't walk away from before we go to the mailbag here, Brian. And this is as somebody who you got your you cut your teeth in NFL Europe. Okay. And I this did. is something I'm actually I'm gonna ask uh, Jerry Jones about this tomorrow morning oh, on Sean and RJ. Not about you working in NFL Europe, Brian. Um, but Last year, you got a big boost going and getting Kevontae Turpin from the USFL. Brandon Aubrey now has come off to – he's gotten off to just an incredible start for them uh, as their kicker, another guy that they took out of the USFL. When you see two examples of that and, and two real big-time contributors for this team, meaningful contributors to this team, does that make an effective case to the Cowboys, maybe to Jerry, to speak to the NFL and, and to the NFL in general saying, hey, we really could stand to use a developmental league? And we could stand to have a place to develop these talents like, you know, whether it be either cultivating guys who are not on rosters right now or like just go give a place for Trey Lance to play. Go give a place for Trey Lance to get some reps in and develop because the Cowboys have hit on this now twice with spring league guys. Yeah, Bobby. And I think in, in thank you for remembering I was part of NFL Europe the original year in 1990. And so, you know, I did that for uh, two years until I went to work for the Packers. Matter of fact, I went to work for the Packers on uh, tomorrow. My birthday it would be December twelfth of nineteen ninety one. That was my Man, first day. First thirty two years ago. Thirty two years ago was my first day in the National Football League. So, uh, uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, you know, I got to be a part of NFL Europe, and and I, I've seen it on both sides. Being a part of it, I was super excited about it. I was always. Felt like, please, if we could get these guys, if we can work with these guys, if we can develop these guys, if teams would give us this guy. But th- we found out that that teams just wanted their players working out in their facilities. They yeah. wanted 
They wanted to be around their players. They wanted to be able to have mini camps. They wanted to be able to do all this stuff. And what we also found um, is that when we got these players with it's a 10-game schedule, you know, we'd send these players back to their teams and then they would go right into training camp. You know? And it was just so hard for these guys. Yeah, they got the experience. I think if there's a way to do it with the quarterbacks, I think you, I think you can make it work. If it, uh, if well, I'll, I'll adjust. I'll, I'll adjust yeah. then. Let's, uh, let's say instead of that. Instead of that. For the quarterbacks, I agree with you. I just think that the other players, it's so hard for them to play a 10 game schedule, go through all that, and then try and get and be ready for an NFL season that's now 17 games. Side Ed, let, then let's say uh, forgetting guys that are on active rosters. Do you think it's a good argument for a pathway program, at least, of guys who like, hey, you got a mini camp invite. We didn't end up like even, you know, having you on our 90 man roster yeah. or whatever else. But like, let's just go. Here's a pathway. We've got a partnership here with the USFL, whatever else. This is somewhere where you can kind of foster these talents a little bit. Well, I, you know, I, I think that everybody's super selfish when it comes to their players and they don't want to, you know, we we put Chad Hutchinson into the world league and hope that he, you know, would get work, get better. And he didn't. So, but there's some teams like if, for example, one of the best examples, a guy like Kurt Warner, you know, I mean, he, he was a, he was a quarterback in the, in the world league and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, and so some of these guys play and some of these guys play at a high level and, and and they'll get to the NFL and, and do great things. But the wear and tear on these players is just so hard. And, you know, I mean, we, uh, Bobby, you'll remember this guy. I think you will. Dwayne Hawthorne, that was a little cornerback. Yeah. That yeah. So we sent Dwayne Hawthorne to World League to get work. He played great. I mean, he played great for them and gave everything he had. And, you know, watching him every week, he played great. When he got to us, he was dead. He couldn't mm. run anymore. He was just all the running that he had to do, just really, yeah, he got experience in playing and all that, but it, it he's a small guy and it hurt him. It hurt him where, he, you know, when he came to us, he's like, Man, I can't run anymore. <laughs> I'm too yeah. tired to run. You know, and it, it might have happened a little bit too to Turpin. You yeah, know, and the last year for the, sure. Yeah, now you're seeing the best version of Turpin after getting a, a year off. You know, so I wish I wish they would develop a league where um, where guys would get opportunities and you can everybody could benefit. But I think that the NFL is. Uh, I think they just want their players to be. I think they they want their players to stay at home work out, have mini camps and all that stuff. I don't think they're really interested in doing anything else with them. You are listening to the Love the Star podcast. The Love the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian, it is now time for our Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag. It's where we turn things over to our dear, sweet listeners here. By the way, happy here. birthday to Dean Julia. He celebrates the same birthday as me. Look at that. Happy birthday, so, Dean yes, Julia. Happy birthday, sir. First question here from uh, one of our other loyal listeners, Stacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says, if you're the Cowboys, do you try to bring Cooks and Gilmore back next year? Two guys who they used, oh. uh, you know, day three picks on, uh, acquired, and have been good contributors here obviously, you know, Cooks took a little while to get going, and there have been times where we feel like, okay, is Gilmore quite the same player? Uh, but Gilmore obviously played big time for you yesterday. Uh, Cooks has had a couple of big games for them now. Do you think that they would look at them as guys that they could retain, or do you think that these are options right now, those two, 
who you'd say, hey, this is probably just you're going to run out the clock here, be done with this, and then you're, you're likely to move on. Kind of feel like both are playing at a pretty darn high level right now. You know, mm-hmm. if you look at the way uh, they've lined up, the way they played, you mentioned Cooks. I think he's become a really nice complimentary piece. I think the, the combination routes, I say that quite a bit about that he runs with the others, uh, the, his ability to clear, the ability to make big plays, the ability to get down the field. The play made before half was a, a really, really nice route that he ran to get open. He could separate still. Uh, I think he feels very comfortable here. He's going to do his job. He's going to block when he's asked to. Sure, absolutely. I, I don't see him. I don't see it's him blocking anybody's uh, path to uh, to being on the field. You know, I mean, I, I just you know, now will the Cowboys look at the situation though and think, well, we can maybe go a little bit cheaper at receiver, but thinking about what they could do with Ferguson and Lamb and you know and and Tolbert and then go from there and add some you know add a couple more guys. But if it was me, I, I would absolutely bring both those guys back. And again, I'm saying that as a guy who watches the tape and, and, and seeing a high level play, but that the salary cap guys might not agree with my assessment on that one. If you can only keep one of them, are you bringing back Gilmore or Cooks? Wow. I'm probably bringing back Gilmore. Interesting. I think I'm bringing back Cooks because at least, like, like even, even with think, e- getting, getting Cooks going, it took yeah. a little while, but I felt like. Cooks was has been yeah. the same guy all year. Like I think he's been playing at a, a, a good level, and and he's I think he's still got more left in the tank. It's just obviously a question of when you've got the guy who's a smaller guy who wins on speed. Like when that sure. goes, it tends to go fast. But I, I just feel like maybe there's a little bit more time left on a guy like Cooks than Gil. Yeah, but okay. How about this situation though? We've seen what's happened to these Cowboy players coming off injury the following year. Yep. Is Diggs going to be? If you told me. That Diggs is going to be a hundred percent, and he's not going to be a hundred percent. But those those trainers don't put hurt guys out there. But he will be he will be good. But do you worry about him? Kind of what we've seen with Pollard. Kind of what we've seen with Steele. Kind of what we've seen with with all these guys that have been hurt in the past and come back, and it's taken them a long time to kind of get going. Sure. To me, I don't. I'm not. I think I could get by at the receiver part of it. I don't know if I could get by at the corner part. Maybe you, maybe you draft, you know. But you know, to me, it's nice. You know, I don't think I'm going to have Jordan Lewis next year. But it'd be nice to have Diggs, Gilmore, and and Bland, who I was going to start with, and maybe supplement around that. You know, see if some of these other guys, McQuamu and some others, can maybe. I mean, I think the top, the clock is ticking on those guys as well. You know, unfortunate that you know that. Uh, that you, you you know you missed on um you know boss man fat when you know it, that would have been uh you know that i mean that was a second round pick yeah so you know maybe it would have you know maybe it would have been a situation where uh you know if he would have hit you could have maybe thought about this a little bit better but i'm going to try and protect myself until i fully know that 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 digs is back to the playing the level that he was before he got injured Next question here from Ray. How will they fill the void of Hankins being out? Uh, Jonathan Hankins obviously uh, is dealing with an ankle sprain. Now, he he left the locker room yesterday when he was leaving. He didn't have a boot on or anything. He looked like he was moving okay, but I know you were hearing that uh, you you might be looking at being without him for a couple weeks. Yeah, uh, is the is yeah. is the easy answer here just Carl Davis in the practice squad? I think it I think it's Carl Davis right now. That's a veteran player. Uh, you know, when you look at the size of. With Carl Davis, he kind of fits that role of of you know that big body guy. 
you know, they're going to need they're going to need something. You know, they're, they're going to need somebody inside like that, though. They really, really, really are. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of thinking that that's the route. I know people were talking about Indomitian Sue and stuff like that, but but Davis seems to be the guy that that I feel like it's going to be the the fit there. Yeah, I, I think that that's the direction to go. They brought him in for a reason and yeah. not for no, this maybe. specific reason, but they brought him in to have him here in the room. Yeah. And, you know, they've had him on the practice squad for several weeks now. It they seems have. like something that would be an yeah. easy fit there. I will, Brian, tell, you this, I will tell you this mm-hmm. real quick, though. Um, yeah, I mean, I had somebody in the front office tell me about the couple of weeks with we'll see with we'll see with, uh, you know, with with Hankins. You know, it's, it's they don't think it's. They think it's serious, but not to the point of like, oh, geez, he's going to miss. They were talking about likely a couple of games. Maybe this guy toughs it out. Maybe, you know, he gets back. We've seen some guys. He's been good for them this year. He has. He absolutely. So, you know, just take it for like, you know, somebody telling me, hey, likely a couple of games. That's kind of where we're at right now. Ryan, here's a little bit of a uh, broad question. Maybe maybe your answer is Jonathan Hankins here. Uh, This is a question from Justin. Who has been an unsung hero for the Cowboys this season? An unsung hero. I think it, man. I, I, if you, there's no way in hell that you told me that Bell was going to play a significant role that he's played. Am I am I right about that? Yeah. Hey, no. Bell, Bell in camp. You're kind of thinking like, you know, we 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 play that fun game and uh, we play that fun game before we go to training camp in July. Okay, let's cut the 53 man roster without yep. ever seeing anybody practice. Yep. I guarantee you're putting Bell on the the waiver list every single time. Yes. Yeah, because you don't. We know. were. You yeah. just don't know, and so I think what they've asked him to do so much, you know. I think to be honest with you, I think Turpin's been a little bit of an unsung hero too, you know, because of what they. He's now part of the normal rotation, on you know when they run eleven personnel, he's out there playing. Like they have confidence that he's going to go out there and make a play for him, you know, whether jet sweep a catch. You know, something he's going to do something. I think him returning that ball uh, right off the first kickoff return, I think that was a tone setter. Ten yards deep, he's like, heck, I'm going to bring this thing back. I'm going to put a 49-yard return on you right here. You know, he got it out to the 25, which was actually a 35-yard return if you look at it. Mm -hmm. But, man, I mean, he's – I I think him and Bell and those guys have done – Fowler's another one. Every time Fowler plays – like something kind of good happens. On yeah, he's a I mean, splash he's, play guy. Yeah, he's a very splash play guy. And you know, I, I mean, I see him on tape, and I'm like, oh, let's watch him. Oh wow, that's kind of a nice move right there. Oh, he made you know. So, but I, I think Bell would would be my my unsung un. Did I say it right? Unsung hero. Unsung you got hero. it. Yeah. You got it. You got it there, Brian. Now, yeah, honestly, the the name, the answer you could probably give every year is probably Demarcus Lawrence, and that, oh, that's just geez, because yes. there's I mean, there's yeah. still so many critics yes. for for Demarcus. Lawrence. I'll say there this, I. Be. I think that there was a I, – I know that people see that he plays well. I don't know that it's registered completely with everybody just how consistently good Oso Digizu has been this year. That's another one. That's that, that that guy's been incredible for them. He has he, he's, he, I think he's made himself some money with a yeah. contract extension this upcoming offseason. There's no question. He, he is – when you start to talk about that under tackle, the three technique – that play he made in the game uh, yesterday or last night, the you know the they big tackle for loss, capsule for, yeah, four yards, a four yard tackle. What he do? He you know, he beat the he beat the guard and and then you know and then boom, he's up the field, he's tackled and that's what he does. He's great when you can run him with games, you know the twists and stuff. He knows how to, 
He knows how to be the post. He knows how to be the looper. He, I mean, he, he tackles well. He gets into the pocket. He's disruptive. Tackle for loss. Yeah, a lot of, lot of good things for him. That does it for us here today on the Love of the Star podcast. Again, uh, tomorrow or when you're listening to this today, it is Brian Broaddus' birthday, so be sure to shower him. Yeah, just shower him (laughs) with with love and adoration on Twitter, at Brian Broaddus. That's B-R-Y-A-N, and then Broaddus is B-R-O-A-D-D-U-S. If you're watching this on the video, you can see right there, that's what his handle is. So go over there, uh, tell him how much you appreciate him, and uh, you know, make sure to remind him to be nice to our quarterback. Our, our collective quarterback, my guy here, which he's Your been guy. great to no, this year. No, no, you've, you've, I, I tell you what, Bob, <laughs> you've done a great job of handling that quarterback. I'll let you keep doing that. So I was dug in. I was dug in, Brian. You, I, I did there. I reached a point where I just, paying off, man. Paying I was just, off uh, for sure. kept having to dig and, and ultimately worked out for Brian brought us. I'm Bobby belt and somewhere back there is Peyton Russell. We will talk to you guys again next time. <laughs>